Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Mal McEwen. He's a North Georgia chainsaw artist. He picked up a chainsaw for the first time in 2002 and has never looked back. What started as a hobby has transformed into a livelihood with commission projects coming from as far away as California. Known as the Mal Hatter for the colorful top hat he wears while performing, Mal has carved from Florida to Pennsylvania to Washington State and many points in between. In May of 2009, Mal organized the first major carving competition in the southeastern U.S. The inaugural Buzz in the Blue Ridge Chainsaw Carving Extravaganza was a huge success. Nine carvers showcased their talent and raised awareness of this up-and-coming art form. With the success of the buzz, Mal has gone on to promote several other carving events in the Southeast. So thank you for being here today, Mal. Oh, you're welcome. Well, it's so exciting for me to, to talk with you. Just before we went on air, I was saying that, that my husband and I were you know, talking about the different kind of artists that I could approach to be on the show, and he said, you should get a chainsaw artist. And so when I Googled Georgia chainsaw artist, your name was the first one that came up. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, I've worked really hard at trying to get myself out there. Um, I'm known as the Mal Hatter, a madman with a chainsaw. And uh, my claim to fame is I tell people that I got the only job in the world that combines the speed and sound of motocross with the skill and accuracy of a brain surgeon. <laughs> I love that. So how did you get interested in chainsaw art? Um, actually, it was through a quirk of uh, fate. Um, my Jack Russell Terriers, uh, 20 years ago, I actually got my first Jack Russell. And uh, because of those little Terriers, things have uh, changed in my life significantly. Uh, what happened was I raised Jack Russells for a while. And uh, when I moved up to White County, Georgia, we took down some trees to build a new kennel uh, to host the dogs in. And uh, all these trees I couldn't see going to waste. And I actually ran into a couple of chainsaw guys doing chainsaw art. Offered them the trees. One of the guys finally come and got some, carved one of my dogs going to ground um, with a shovel next to it. And uh, kept looking at that and thought, you know, I've always worked with my hands. I've always uh, enjoyed working and creating things. I can do this. And I picked up a chainsaw, started just whittling away little stuff, uh, simple things. Uh, took them to a couple of the dog shows, sold them immediately. People started asking me about doing commission work, and the guy that uh, actually carved the dog going to ground said, you know, you could be pretty good at this if you really wanted to be. He showed me a couple of pointers. I started making more money doing that than I was doing interior trim. Never looked back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, no formal training at all, but I've gotten with a bunch of really talented artists over the years and learned from them. They've learned from me, and uh, we just keep going. So at what point did you start thinking of yourself as an artist? Um, truly not long. Well, sometimes I still really don't even think of myself as an artist. Um, but I got this creativity that I've loved all my life. I've always created stuff from 
the time I was little, I've always enjoyed working with my hands, doing uh, creative art. Never could draw very well, so I never thought I could sculpt like I'm able to, but there's it's two totally different mediums. Uh, people that draw most of the time say, we can't even see how you are able to take stuff out. But I've always been able to do those little block games and Rubik's Cubes and stuff like that pretty simply. And uh, I've just always had that knack. And uh, now when people, when I create stuff um, and and I put it out there, um, I guess, you know, they say, really, you've got a lot of talent. So I I consider myself an artist, I guess, at this point. Well, and it's just amazing to me that somebody can take a chainsaw and and actually... Like you said, whittle. I mean, it's it's amazing that you can take this this instrument that you think of, you know, just cutting things in half and actually create a piece of art from it. So, how did you get the hang of doing that? Practice, <laughs> a lot of practice. Uh, I learn every day, and um, I really enjoy it. I do a lot of shows uh, where I'm entertainment. Um, we are the rock stars of the art world. And uh, no other artist uh, out there performs like chainsaw artists do. Um, we're fast. We're furious. Um, I tell people we're, we are truly the rock stars. I can crank up a chainsaw and start carving at a festival, and you know, I'll have 250, 300 people watching me in a matter of minutes uh, just to see what I do. And I really enjoy that. That, that inspires me uh, so much. Um, every year I do several... Uh, library events for reading programs where I go and carve for the kids and I do about a 15 minute quick carve and uh, then I show them how to carve something out of uh, either a potato or a a bar of soap and just watching kids and and, um, seeing the expressions and them creating stuff of their own really inspires me (laughs) big time. So how long does a typical piece take for you to carve? I know you said you can do a quick carve in 15 minutes but what what does a typical piece take? Um Average production piece, um, which is bears, I carve, I tell people for everything I carve that's not a bear, I carve 50 bears. And <laughs> and that's just the way it is in the United States. Each country has their own little niche. Uh, in the U.S., it's bears. Japan, it's owls. Australia, um, the carvers down there carve Niles Kelly, which is the uh, Australian Jesse James. Uh-huh. Um, England, spirit faces a lot. Uh, wood spirits, uh, green men. So uh, on the average, um, average production bear, hour, and uh, I can do all kinds of uh, different type styles bears in that one hour. Uh, usually they're about uh, two foot tall, something like that. Um, at my shows that I do, usually I do between a 45 and a one hour show, and uh, I do the whole production piece in that time. I can carve a hummingbird in a flower, uh, bear, um I, I do a lot of bears called in-law bears. <laughs> they hold a sign on one side that says welcome. On the other side, it says go away. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> I used to call them mother-in-law bears, and lady uh, didn't like that one day. She started cussing me out. I'm a mother-in-law, and I don't like you. That. I just don't like that. And I said, well, it's an in-law bear then. So uh, she. It's she good to be flexible. That's it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was it was fun. and uh, But uh, I've done commission pieces that have taken up to six, seven days. Uh, I actually carved a Indian warrior for the Cherokee High School up in Canton, Georgia this year. Uh, first full uh, figured, uh, almost totally nude uh, statue I had done. I've carved a lot of people with clothes on. 
clothes are kind of like hotel bed sheets. You can hide a multitude of evils, you know. <laughs> but when you're carving human form and you got to get the muscles right, that took me about a month. Uh, I would whittle away. I'd draw on it some, mark out places where I want to go. I'd give him big muscles. He's standing there holding a spear. I uh, got the six-pack going on, you know. Cool. And uh, nothing but a loincloth. And I had to make sure I cleared it with him before <laughs> I'd done just the loincloth, you know. But I said I wanted to make it true to, you know, the area's native form. Right. You know, uh, Cherokee uh, Nation didn't wear big headdresses and stuff like that. You know, they wore simple clothes and stuff. So I uh, made him look very, very uh, significant for the area, and they were very, very pleased with it when I got done. So that took me almost a month of just working a little bit, working a little bit, working a little bit. And I'd get back, look at it, take pictures, reverse photos, look in the mirror, all the stuff, you know, to train my eye a little better to make sure I was getting what I wanted to take out of it. Well, how does your how does your spirituality find expression in your chainsaw art? Um, my happy mood comes out in pretty much everything I do. Um, I love life and I enjoy every day. Um, I try not to look at the negative things. Um, and it is so hard for me to carve. Like I've had people want me to carve a gnarly, nasty, snarling bear before. And I do my very best to do it, and he still comes out smiling. <laughs> um, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I really appreciate artists that can draw on the negative side of things. Um, you know, some of the artwork um, out there where people do some of the uh, darker sides is really unique and still inspiring. Um, you know, some of the... Um, drawings and i can't think of the artist's name particular but he done the scene where the guy's riding through the uh uh hell and um you know he's riding through the valley of evil but he doesn't fear it you know and, and i forget the exact artist's name but that's very inspiring just the little detail stuff that he'd done in that mm -hmm. that drawing you know so uh, i'm inspired by nature by kids um the happy stuff in life it uh that's what really inspires me. Um, nothing greater than to, than to be working with a child and, uh, or a young person um, and watch them uh, just something spark in their head. I tell them, I said, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be an artist. You can, whatever you want to be in life, don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Inspire to be the very best you can be. You know, uh, Don't let nobody or anybody tell you you can't uh, be anything and um you know we all have to make a living sometimes it's hard as an artist you know it's not about the money you know but uh you'd still have to make enough to survive in the world we live in unfortunately it is a necessary tool so, so how long did it take you to get to the point that you could um be a chainsaw artist full-time once once you started playing with with that art form I was fortunate. Um, once I started really uh, practicing every day, it wasn't very long. I was I was making a full time living. Um, you know, I live a, a very meager life as as compared to a lot of people. I don't live beyond my means. Um, I own my own home, um, but I don't need a lot of new fancy stuff. You know, I, I have my things I like. Yes, I like my uh, satellite TV and stuff like that. You know, and uh, but. Uh, Right out of the gate, I was I was doing pretty well, and I had done interior trim for a long time, but due to a shoulder injury, I can't work over my head anymore. Uh, 
you know, pulling and popping and trim, and people were like, but how can you run a chainsaw all day? I said, it's a different motion. I said, it's actually better for my arm because I'm wow. keeping it moving all the time. Uh, I don't have to work over my head. If I have to go up, I'll go up on scaffolding, you know, and luckily I'm not scared of heights. So that's always a good thing. And uh, I work, um, what can I say? Uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm losing track here. Sorry. So do you, so do you typically um, do art at your own studio or do you typically go other places to carve, to carve logs and to carve um, where uh, things are all over i'm I'm very fortunate with that i work out of my house uh mostly uh but i do go to different festivals fairs we actually have a big chainsaw carvers um it's called the rendezvous every year um it's up in ridgeway pennsylvania at the end of february and you're going oh, oh man, my why? goodness <laughs> oh yeah cold brutal cold but that's the time of year that uh chainsaw artists most of us are entertaining artists we do uh-huh. a lot of fairs and and entertainment so that's the time of year that we are actually the slowest. And this particular event has between uh, 180 and 250 carvers every year, usually about 30,000 spectators. Talk wow. about getting your batteries charged up for the season. I mean, you get to see all kinds of different aspects and, and uh, what everybody can do. And, and what some of these people can do is really phenomenal work and and especially in the speed and time and i've earned my reputation in there you know uh so do they just schedule the artists in different time slots for different days to no we actually all carve together and uh, yeah and at the very end of the event they uh we are asked to we are asked to donate one piece and they auction it all off and it goes to charity wow so uh yeah that's that's been a really fun event i've gone to it about six times now seven times i've skipped a couple of years but uh i'm planning on going next year and it's uh the ridgeway rendezvous you can look that up on the internet also um great 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 thing the bonnies have done a very good job uh i've competed in a couple of competitions i've won two um and um feel like it was just a stroke of uh luck uh, for winning them i give it my best and that's no matter how win lose draw i'm always happy competing and i always give it 150 percent that i can give it so when you get when you get ready to start a piece do you know in your head exactly what it's going to look like on some things yes uh some things uh something i've never carved before um i'm hoping that it turns out right um that's the one thing when you're uh, the medium I do, when you take it away, it's very hard to put it back. Uh, there are tricks to doing it, but it's it's very hard to put it back. It's not like clay where you can take it off, put it back on, um, and stuff like that. Uh, but like most generally, like bears, yes, I can tell you what a bear is going to look like because I've carved so many of those. But like the Indian warrior, I uh, took a little bit away at a time, at a time, at a time to get where I wanted it. And I uh, just wanted to make sure I give them a really nice product at the end. So what's your favorite thing to carve? Uh, nudes. Actually, oh, really? human, yes. N- uh, nudes are, uh, I've done some abstract. Uh, Got to be honest with you, for me personally, I think the female form is probably one of the most beautiful forms of supreme beings ever made with all the curves. And they are one of the toughest things to carve. Any sculptor out there will tell you, uh, that most uh, female anatomy is the hardest to get right. Uh, the female face is uh, a lot different carving a man's face. You know, there's little subtleties in female form that make it uh, a lot tougher to create. So when you're carving a female form, do you typically have a model or you just 
imagine. Hadn't been that lucky yet. <laughs> uh, so if there's any ladies out there that like to model for me, uh, I'm always open for it. Um, but uh, I, I look at a lot of different pictures. Um, just and doesn't necessarily have to be totally nude. Um, you know, just just women's bodies in general. Uh, you know, with with the curvatures, and and I relate a lot of things. Uh, to nature and different shapes, um, like the swans. Uh, I had never carved as big a swans as I'd just done on a bench that I carved. And I truly, uh, carving the necks of the swan, thought about a female form uh, from the curves, you know. Uh, and I carved right in the center of the bench two swans. Their heads come up and make a heart shape. Oh, wow. So um, truly, when you're carving that, I just thought about how a woman's breast would look to create the... Um, circle within the neck so uh, so when you're carving something like that that you haven't done before do you have some photo reference or anything that you take with you? yes the internet is a great thing <laughs> <laughs> uh used to you'd have to go to the library look up books keep a whole uh platform of stuff to go by nowadays with the internet my ipad which i just got this year you know i'm finally getting with the 21st century uh, I love my iPad. You know, I'm going to the net, find a picture, you know, and, and uh, pull it up, pinch it off, look at the eye, you know, look on the thing. Matter of fact, one of the best sculptors out there, he's actually rigged up a thing that he puts on his chainsaw where he takes his iPhone, pulls up the picture, mounts it in the holder in the iPhone, or, you know, mounts it in the chainsaw. Wow. So he's looking at his iPhone carving the sculpture at the same time <laughs> he was at one competition the guy does a really nice indian head so he runs over takes a picture of the guy's indian head and puts it in his chain so he can use it as a reference so internet's a great thing i love it <laughs> so um how do you connect with the divine flow when you're getting ready to create do you have any kind of a process or do you do anything special to kind of get into that creative flow um it comes and goes uh production pieces it just goes uh when i'm creating with um something new something exciting or working with somebody um i just get in a mood um and and i i listen to a lot of music while i'm carving and um i really um it's just a a, a softness that comes over me most of the time uh, and sometimes aggression. Uh, being a chainsaw artist, I tell them it's kind of like uh, handling a lady. Sometimes you have to know when to be firm, and other times you got to know when to be soft and gentle. Uh, when I'm taking out big blocks of stuff out of the, the initial carving to, uh, you know, expose the carving and, and get all the big stuff out and using a big saw, I'm rough and rugged. Get it out of the way. Get you know, speed is my whole thing is uh, to get that stuff out of the way. But then I got to turn and. Uh, come back into a softer, gentler uh, mode when I pick up a smaller song to do small detail. So uh, it's it's just a calmness that comes over me. I can tell you this: at the end of the day, I'm always very happy, you know, with what I've done. I'm always trying to improve, and a lot of times I look at my work and I'm like, I'm not satisfied with it, but I know that the next one's going to be that much better. So do you um, do you do chainsaw art every day? Uh, not every day, uh, but a lot. Um, probably 20 days out of the month. I do give my body a rest at times. Uh, it just depends on the time of the year. Uh, spring and fall are very, very busy. Uh, fall, especially in October, uh, those months, October, September, October, 1st of November, a lot of shows to do. 
and uh, a lot of work. And then um, spring, when everybody's starting to get back out, we have, usually have quite a few shows that. Summertime varies. Uh, I do a couple of shows during the summer. And then I also create a lot of furniture now. So I'm working with a couple of uh, different uh, furniture companies that uh, build rustic furniture, and I carve the headboards, footboards for beds. I do a lot of headboards, footboards, screen doors, stuff like that. So I'm staying busy with those and then working in all the other stuff. So when somebody's coming and they want to commission a piece from you, um, do they usually come with a specific idea in mind and, a, and photographs and that kind of thing? Or do they come to you and say, I want to do something, and, and you help them decide what that's going to be? Uh, both ways. Both ways. Uh, I tell people, I said, uh, I've carved a lot of pets, uh, especially from the dog world that I was in, and uh, those getting started with me. But I always tell people, you're going to get my rendition of your pet. Um, it's very hard to keep capture people's pets uh, along with their children because they Mm -hmm. know exactly what they look like and how their personality is and everything so far i've been very very fortunate and my supreme being has led me in the ways that everybody's been very pleased with what i've done um i tell people like the lady that wanted the swan bench i give her some ideas that i thought would work very nice and she loved it and when i got done with it she was like wow that's that's really nice and i said thanks so um if it has to be exact, uh, I tell them, I said, I'm going to do the very best I can for you. And uh, so far, I've been, you know, people are pleased. I love pleasing people. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of fun with what you do, and it comes through with even just you talking about it. Right. Yeah, that's it. I have fun. Um, life's too short to be uh, stuffy and... Um, I guess one of the things that has inspired me, I lost both my parents very young in life. I was only 31 when I lost my dad, and I was only 34 when I lost my mom. And I looked at how they had worked all their life, struggled with stuff, and and, um, they took very good care of us, and uh, we lived a really good life. But uh, I woke up and said, you know, life's short. I'm going to enjoy today for what it is. And um, one of my very best friends that he is 70 years old and still carving, and uh Got into chainsaw art a little late in life, but he enjoys it. Said that he'd rather wear out than rust out. <laughs> and uh, he is quite the inspiration. Um, I mean, Captain Dave, he's up in Townsend, Tennessee, and what a character he is. I won't get into everything that he's done, but uh, he had a run-in with the town of Townsend, Tennessee, over one of the nudes he carved, and he wound up winning. Um, and it was it was quite funny. So uh, he is a huge inspiration to me uh, with just his demeanor and, and everything he brings. And I hope to be a lot like him, joyful and, and just happy in life when I'm that age. So how has your art affected your spiritual evolution or how has your spiritual evolution affected your art? Um, my spiritual evolution... Um, my art has affected that in the fact that I, I have loved to travel. And um, everywhere I go, I'm always looking uh, at the next inspiration. I tell people I live, uh, to me, there's no other beautiful place in the, on the planet Earth than Cades Cove, Tennessee. Now, there's still beautiful places, but there's nowhere else better than I've seen yet. And uh, every every part uh has its own unique beauty this year i got to travel out to mount rushmore very inspirational watching what those guys had done out there with those uh four figures and i went to uh yellowstone national park and montana and wyoming northern wyoming and uh, just all the 
different beautiful sights out there and, and the colors and everything. You know, I'm I'm actually working in a few more mediums now. I draw a little more to and I think everything that I take in only helps me become a better sculptor. So um, as far as that goes, as far as the spirituality, <laughs> sorry, um, it's helped me grow that I, I notice small things. Even an ant doing its little job sometimes inspires me, just watching an ant do their job. From the little things to the big things, everything has a significance. I guess that's the biggest inspiration I've had. So have you um, thought about trying different mediums of sculpture working in different mediums other than wood? Yes, and uh, I would love to do some clay. I just haven't had the time. Actually, I I forgot about this. I did take a clay class uh, from one of the local high school art teachers, Uh and um, it was fun. I tried to turn some pottery. Um, What a unique skill that is and a lot of practice. And uh, but we wound up making a uh, bear jug <laughs> of all things. <laughs> Another bear. Another bear. Uh, but uh, it turned out really good. And actually, I had four or five people wanting to buy it from me, and I said, "No, it's not for sale." Um, and like I said, I've drawn some, uh, and uh, I haven't worked into painting yet. But that's one of the ideas I want to go. Uh, I love the abstract part of stuff too, and I just sometimes it boils down to. Um, Making money and uh, making art, unfortunately, we do have to make money. And, and that's, the, that's the downside when you become an artist. You know, sometimes you're forced to do stuff you really don't. I won't say forced, but you have to do stuff that, you know, to make a living. Right. And, uh, but I'm, I'm learning on the spiritual side, too. Um, I keep a separate, uh, at least one day a week, I've gotten where I uh, carve what I want to carve for me. Nobody else. Doesn't matter if it sells. Doesn't matter if it sits there. Doesn't matter if I throw it on the burn pile. Because the other thing that I really love to do, we just had a uh, get-together down in Gray, Georgia. And I wound up carving a fire-breathing dragon that we set on fire. Oh, and, cool. Uh, yes. And um, we had 14 fire sculptures that we set on fire and burned during the event. And it's uh, one of the guys that... Uh, was at the event. He's been to Burning Man several times, and uh, he's given me some pointers. And I really, I've really enjoyed that. Last year, as a matter of fact, uh, New Year's, we uh, created me and one of my buddies that was over from Europe uh, visiting. We carved. He's a fellow carver. We carved out uh, for New Year's. We carved out uh, several uh, fire sculptures and loaded them up with fireworks and set them on fire for New Year's. And oh. uh, the fireworks coming out. Yeah, that was that was very fun and very you know unique and stuff like that so it sounds that sounds like a really cool idea i've never heard of that but what a cool thing to have you know a big bonfire party and, and have somebody like you come in and carve right a sculpture that then is going to be part of the whole event part yes of the whole experience yes i do birthday tiki's that those have actually oh. taken off pretty cool and uh usually a three foot tall tiki face uh we'll put happy birthday across of it and i the way I cut it out on the inside, you can uh, set it on fire, and it looks kind of like a smokestack, and all of a sudden the eyes will start glowing. The mouth will be, you know, fire shooting out of it. Of course, we've taken it uh, with my, with the help from my buddy uh, Gregor that uh, has been out to Burning Man. He showed me some tricks with propane and stuff like that, <laughs> so we can really shoot some big uh, flames out their mouth and eyes and stuff like that. Now. Depending on how much space you have. For- oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... Um, but there's there's some other mediums that I'm going to dabble into, you know, and uh, 
it it'll be fun just uh different sculptures and stuff so if if people want to hire you to come and do a birthday tiki for them is that a a few hours of for the whole event or is it uh it's basically yeah basically uh i've lowered my rate a little bit since the recession um you know to stay busy uh i get a a x amount for a day and that's usually about four hours worth of carving i come out and i'll uh, perform at your event whatever it is and um you know i can carve you a tiki a lot of people will go ahead and buy a tiki uh that's already pre-carved you know and uh, have me come out uh there's several different ways of doing it um, or I'll carve whatever you want for the event. You know, you don't have to actually set it on fire. I've actually, um, one lady was, um, uh, she works, she said she's a, uh, drug dealer. She actually works for one of the pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> uh, she hired me to come in for a day of entertainment for her, um, clients. And, oh. uh, she wound up getting a really cool sculpture out of the deal and entertained her clients. And I was there for about six hours that day and I carved a, big eagle on one side of the tree and then i carved a really cool uh spirit face birdhouse on the other side where i literally cut out the back and hollow out uh where the bird stays and drill a hole through the spirit face's mouth so birds can go in and out of it and we made a birdhouse out of that and so she got a really cool carving and had entertainment for the day. That's very cool. Yeah. So tell our listeners how they can find you and how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, there's a couple of ways you can find me. Uh, Mal works, because I always tell people Mal works for a living. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any little gnomes that show up and carve this stuff for me yet, but malworks.com, M-A-L-W-O-R-K-S.com. Uh, that's my website. Um, you can like my Facebook page off of the front website. Uh, that's... Georgia Chainsaw Artist, comma, Mal, M-A-L, McEwen, M-C-E-W-E-N. And um, that's the best way to keep up with me because I'm always posting new uh, creations on the Facebook page because it's so much faster than uh, redesigning my web page every two or three months. Yeah. And um, then you can also look for me on, um, I'm all, I've been on uh, TV a couple of different times and uh, we are working on trying to get a reality show going. So, uh Keep looking, but uh, that's the best way. One other way you can get me is, um, I guess the best way is the website and the Facebook page. Well, Mal, do you have any last things that you'd like to tell our listeners about using their creativity and maybe creating, connecting that to their spirituality? Yes. Um, never let anybody tell you you can't do anything. Uh, we all have special talents. Some people have more talent than others, uh, but that's okay. Do the very best you can do with what you have. Be happy with it uh, that you know you've done the best. Uh, Never be satisfied that you can't grow, but be happy with what you've done and that you can still grow more. Um, That's my best advice for anybody. And don't take the big things as being huge and don't take the small things as being small. There's everything has a purpose and a meaning. You know, from the littlest thing, which can be inspirational, to like the person that does the little bitty dots of sand that fit into an eye, the needle of an eye, you know, the eye of a needle, to that guy that does those little bitty sculptures, to the grand stuff that you see, you know, like Mount Rushmore, and everything has a significance. Well, Mal, thank you so much. It's really been such a pleasure having you in the studio today. Thank you, too, Vanessa. And thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artisworship.net. 
Please come share your stories of art as worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash art as worship. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste. Namaste.